academic banquet, and can I just be a little bit honest with you this morning as I begin? I mean, you'd like for your minister probably be, to be honest. That's a good starting place. But, but to be quite frank with you, I was just a, a little bit um, bored with, with the whole thing. I mean, I, I'm sitting there, and, and hundreds of kids, seems like hundreds, maybe thousands. I mean, just a lot of kids going across the, the way, you know, getting, getting their uh, different uh, awards and, and all of that. Mamas and daddies are all trying to, you know, take pictures of all their kids walking across the way. And, and I'm, I'm looking engaged and interested, and I'm, you know, I'm applauding where I should, and I'm nodding my head, and I'm smiling, and all of that, but I'm a little bit disengaged until my son walked across the stage. You see, there's just something, I'm just a lot more interested in that boy that bears my last name. There's just something interesting about your own kid. Uh, my middle son, Reed, used to say all the time, Dad, I'm special, just like everybody else. And, and, you know, there's a sense in which he is absolutely right. Every one of us in this room are special. We're special in the eyes of God. All certainly we're, we hold higher significance to those who are closest to us. But when, when we walk across the stage of life, it's God who's, who's wanting to get a, a view of us. When, when we get an award, it's God who has a big smile on his face because the amazing thing is, God is deeply interested in all 7 billion people who inhabit the planet. Now, we're involved in this message series, and we began last Sunday morning, and we, we looked at this big topic of the Trinity. And the Trinity is this amazing doctrine that says a lot of things, but one thing it says especially is how deeply interested and invested God is in in each one of us. And so we know God created the heavens and the earth, but, but humankind rebelled, and as a result there's this, this separation that sin always causes. But God didn't write us off. Oh no, God, God wrote himself into the story. And so God in Jesus came to live on this planet for 30 odd years. And for three years, he had this amazing ministry. And the end of that three year period, he went to a cross and took our place and died. And on the third day was raised. And then he ascended up into heaven. But God wants to be closer even still. And so what did Jesus say to us, but I must go so he must come. And so while he ascended into heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit, God, the third person of the Trinity, God the Spirit, to come and to dwell us and to live among us. What that says is God, God wants to be so close and so personal that amazingly he takes up residence inside of us. And so that's what we're going to talk about for a couple of minutes today. I want us to discuss this idea of our personal God. And as we begin, we want to contrast two big ideas about God. First, we think of God's transcendence. Now, that's a, that's a fancy word for this idea that God is above us. It means God is high and lifted up. And so David will tell us in Psalm chapter 8, in verse 3, this. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. 
this big vision of God should lead to a, us to a place of humility and I think even worship. God is high and exalted. We look outside on a clear night and we understand that God created the billions and billions of stars with his fingers. With his fingers, he threw those stars into place. I'm humbled by that big vision of God. And my desire is to worship him, to declare that he is worthy. He alone should be worshiped. But there's a second vision of God. And that is that God is also imminent. Now that's another big word that just means God is near. Think about the contrast. On the one hand, God is high and lifted up. Isaiah tells us he sits enthroned above the circle of the earth and people are like grasshoppers. But God is also imminent. He's, he's also close to his creation. And so we wonder how close. And that leads us to the scripture that Adam read for us just a moment ago in Psalm 139. If you have your Bibles, you may want to open that passage. I don't know of any other passage in the Bible that describes so powerfully how God is so interested in us, how God is so personally invested in us. This is a psalm of David, and, and he begins by telling us that God knows us better than we know ourselves. And this knowledge of God isn't, isn't passive. No, it's, it's active. And so David speaking to God. And, and as we read Psalm 139, you need to have that in mind. That's who David is addressing. He's speaking to God. And as he speaks, he says, God, you have searched me. Lord, you know me. God desires to be so close to us that he, he searches us. It's as if God is looking through a camera lens. And at first, God zooms out a little bit. And David says, you know when I sit and when I rise, you discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all our ways. God sees us and knows all of this. When I was living in Albuquerque several years ago, I once got a note in the mail from the Albuquerque Police Department. And I thought, how nice. The, the police, uh, they're, they're sending me a note. Maybe, maybe they're sending me a note recognizing uh, the fact that I'm trying to be a, a good citizen and abide by all the laws. And so I, I opened the note from the Albuquerque Police Department. And lo and behold, would you believe it was a ticket? Somehow they had found out I was going 10 miles over the speed limit. And the amazing thing to me was I had never been pulled over by a police officer. I never saw any flashing blue lights. Uh, um, no police officer ever said, I need to see your license and your registration. I didn't have to fumble, you know, through my, my glove box trying to find those items that we never know where they are. I mean, none of that happened. I just go home one day and I see this nice, interesting note from the Albuquerque Police Department. How nice could this be? Opened it up. Lo and behold, there's this ticket because I'd gone 10 miles over the speed limit. You see, they had installed these cameras and they saw me go through a uh, an intersection going a little too fast they were watching me and I didn't even know it David tells us God sees us he's watching us and we may not even realize it he sees us when we sit and when we rise he he notices our going out and our coming back in but now the lens zooms in God's knowledge of us is also deeply personal you see, it's one thing to say, well, well, God knows all things, but quite another to say, God knows all things about me. This is a very personal psalm. 
The personal pronouns I and you and me are used repeatedly. God knows our thoughts. He knows us so deeply that before a word is on our tongue, the Lord knows it completely. Often when people have been married for a long time, we'll say, you know, she can even finish his sentences. I mean, it's kind of like that for Janet and I from time to time. I'll be saying something, she'll just finish, finish my sentence. That's what happens after you've been married for a little while. You get to know one another so deeply that, that it's almost like you know what's going on in the mind of our partner. Well, God's knowledge of us is far greater He doesn't just merely know our outward facade. He doesn't know our carefully managed images. No, God knows us. He knows what we're about to say. His knowledge of us is incredibly deep. He knows us from the inside out. He knows us better than we even know ourselves. And so how does this make you feel that that God knows us in that way? On the one hand, it can be a kind of scary thing to think we're known that deeply and intimately by God, that he, that he watches us coming and going, that he knows even our thoughts. He knows what you're thinking right now. Isn't that a scary thing? Some of you are thinking this sermon's going a little too long. Some of you might be thinking about lunch in a little bit. Some of you might be making plans. You're maybe thumbing through another part of the Bibles because you're already disengaged. I don't know what's going on in your mind, but, but God knows it. And so how do we feel about that? It can be a little bit scary. And yet I believe it's a good thing. I believe it shouldn't frighten or scare us because you see, this depth of knowledge says something about the depth of love that God has for us. See, I know my kids. I was there from the beginning. I mean from the very beginning. I was there. I was there when they were born. I've been present in their lives. I've watched them from afar. I've watched them up close, coming and going. I probably know them better than anyone else on earth knows them. I have great interest in them. In fact, I'm so interested in them that I I want to be involved in, in shaping them. Why? Why is my level of knowledge that deep with them? It's because I love them. And this isn't, it's not some sort of obligation that I feel. Oh, no, it's, it's a passion. And any parent in this room knows what I'm talking about. You love your kids. You, you, because, you know your kids because you love them. It hurts you in a deep way when, you're, when your kids are struggling, when your kids are depressed, when your kids are feeling shame, when your kids are experiencing difficulty or hardship. I want to know my kids because I love them. See, here's the truth. God's knowledge of us says much about God's love for us. He loves you so much that he wants to know you. He takes an active interest in your life. Don't you really love those people who take an active interest in your kid's life? A lot of you in this room, you're thankful that you have some grandparents in this room. They're not... You know, they're not physical grandparents. They're kind of adopted grandparents because those people, they take an active interest in your kid's life. They remember your kid's birthday or they can call your kids by name and and they encourage and bless your kids. Don't you just love those kind of people? Well, that's how God is to us. God's knowledge of us says much about God's love for us. 
We serve a God who is high and lifted up. We also serve a God who is near to each one of us. He is so near to his creation that he knows us better than we know ourselves. But the second half of this Psalm of David, the knowledge shifts from knowledge of God to the presence of God. I appreciate so much Dr. Jimmy's words just a minute ago because I I couldn't have crafted a better introduction to this message. You see, not only is God a God who discerns from afar, but he is also a God who gets up close and personal. Notice what he says in verse 5. You hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand on me. How close, how personal is God? David says he finds himself running into God continually. Is God behind him? Yes. Is God in front of him? He's there too. David is surrounded by God, and God's right hand is on him. And so David asks himself a question. It's kind of a, a really, it's a, a thought question, if you will. David muses to himself in verse 7, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? And then he looks around at his world, and he says, you know, if, if he goes up to the heavens, God is there. If he goes down to the depths, God is there. If he travels the expanse of the sun... God is with him there. Then he asks, where can I go from your presence? And he doesn't answer it, but if we were to answer it, we would say nowhere. You can't leave the presence of God. He's always there. And I know sometimes, sometimes, especially when we experience pain or heartache or or when it doesn't seem like God is answering prayers like we wish him to answer those prayers, there are those times when we wonder, where are you, God? It feels like we're alone. In fact, that's what the psalmist says in Psalm 10, verse 1. But the truth is, though we may not feel the presence of God, the truth that Psalm 139 makes abundantly clear is that God is always there. But he makes a further point. Not only is God with David wherever he goes, but but notice God guides him wherever he goes. Look at verse 10. Even there, he says, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. You talk about a personal God. This God is not indifferent. This God is not distant. No, this God is present, and this God is leading. God's right hand holds us. Does that give you comfort? Does that make you feel this sense of being protected god is that close how engaged is god oh god is a personal god he was with us from the very beginning and so in verse 13 the psalmist david writes for you you god you created my inmost being you knit me together in my mother's womb friends it doesn't get any more personal than that and so let me tell you something this morning that you hopefully know already You're not some accident. You are not the product of chance. The creation of a human being is one of the most divine acts, amazing divine acts in the universe. And according to God's word, human conception is not an accidental process, but an intentional one. God, he says, knit me. He, He formed me in my mother's womb. That's how engaged and involved our God is. But here's the other amazing truth. God is not only with us, present with us in the very beginning of our lives, but God is there all through our lives. Look at verse 16. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God 
God knows the trajectory of our lives. He knows what's going to happen. He is involved and interested. The knowledge of God is amazing. And so this, this very beautiful psalm, it underscores two really, really important ideas. One is that, is that we serve a personal God and that this God knows us and he really loves us. All through Scripture we see this idea of God knows our name, John chapter 10 and verse 3. God knows the number of hairs on our head, Matthew 10 and verse 30. And for some of you, this is very easy knowledge to obtain, by the way. He knows our words even before we say them, Psalm 139 verse 4. He knows everything about us, and this should not frighten us or scare us. Because God's knowledge of us says a lot about God's love for us. The psalm also says God is incredibly present. And so God is present in the good times and in the difficult times. God is present when the sun is shining, and God is present when it's dreary. God is present when everything is working out right for us, and God is present when it seems like we're experiencing hardship and suffering and difficulty. There's a beautiful story that I'll close with today found in your Old Testament in the book of Daniel. In Daniel chapter 3, we're familiar with that story. It's the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three Jewish men were called on to bow down to this idol of Nebuchadnezzar, and they said, we're not going to do it. And Nebuchadnezzar said, I'm going to throw you into the fire if, if you don't bow down to this God. They said, we're not going to do it. And they said, our God is able, and our God will protect us. But even if he does not, we're not going to bow down. And so Nebuchadnezzar made that fire hot. The Bible tells us he made it seven times hotter than normal. It's his way of saying he made it as hot as he could possibly make it. And then he took these three men of God, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he threw them into the fire. And how sadistic is this? Here's the king. He's watching what's happening. And then he does, he does kind of a roll call. Okay, let's see. Let's count who's in the fire. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. There's a, there's a fourth person. Let me, let me count again. One, two, three. Well, there's a fourth person in the fire. Who is that? And the people know who that is. The people say that fourth person, he looks like a son of the gods. Who is that fourth person in the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Some scholars will tell you it is an angel. I prefer to believe it is the pre-incarnate Christ. It is Jesus who is in the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What, what do we learn from that passage of Scripture? We learn that God is so close, so present. He goes through the fire with us. He goes through the difficulties with us. He goes through the hard times with us. Our God is not distant. Our God is not... Uh, standing far off away. No, no, no. Psalm 139 and Daniel 3 and a myriad of other passages teach us that God is incredibly near. And He is near. And He is involved because He loves us. What do we believe? We believe in the God of the Bible. We believe in a God who is above all, a God who is high and lifted up 
but we also believe in a God who's incredibly near, a God who has come so close that he wrote himself into the story, a God who desires to be so close, he goes through the fire of suffering with us, a God who wants to be so close that when we accept him by faith and we're baptized into his name, every sin is washed away and we receive this beautiful gift of the Holy Spirit. God himself desires to be so close that he indwells us so that he might empower us to live this new kind of life that he's calling us to live, a life, a life that's truly life. As